0: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Passing Shot. Serbia win the ATP Cup, Serena shines in Auckland, and Andreescu is out of Melbourne. And welcome to The Passing Shot, the tennis podcast by fans for fans with Joel and Kim. Today, we are going to be looking back on the ATP Cup as well as all the other events going on around the world this week. Kim, the tennis season has started. I feel like even though we're like a week in, we've just already had a million stories come out in the tennis world. Where to begin? How are you how are you? Are you keeping are you how are you keeping tabs on everything?
1: Oh well, I watched a bit of Riley Apelka and Pablo Cuevas with my porridge this morning. <laughs> so I'm definitely keeping up to date with some some tennis. Um yeah, I mean <laughs> it's it's crazy, isn't it? Tennis is definitely the sport that never sleeps. Um everything's going on in Australia at the moment, I guess, you know, both good and bad. Um so I think we're gonna start there. Um, We have a few token tournaments, don't we? Doha and Shenzhen to talk about, but um, Australia is where it's at. So uh, we had the ATP Cup. uh, Very exciting. Watched a bit the final today. Serbia have won, um, which, well, Serbia-Spain final, probably what the tournament wanted, would you say?
0: In terms of the matches they got, yeah i think as an organizer looking at it went down literally to the final match it went down to the it went down to the doubles you got the number one ranked player in the world face off against the number two ranked player in the world they had a great match i think generally in the across the event we had some great matches and you know going in i was kind of wondering you know how seriously are are, you know these players going to be taking this tournament but it, it seems that, you know, everyone is almost, all the players were kind of bought into it and, you know, really kind of uh, hyped. Crowd was loving it as well. Um, yeah, I just thought we had some really great matches and, you know, Serbia coming out on top and to see, give us a little, potentially a little taste of, of the Aust- of the Australian Open, uh, Nadal and Djokovic. Yeah, I think it was just, uh, you know, really good. I think it was a really good final.
1: Yeah, I think, I think if we do see, you know, Novak and Rafa head-to-head head at the AO again. I mean, I can't see Rafa winning it, to be honest. Um, Novak just seems to have have his number in Australia. Um, but yeah, the Serbian fans, there was loads of Serbian fans, obviously a big like Serbian expat community out in Australia. So I think they were really, you know, buoyed on by the fact that they were um, out in Sydney, turning up to support them. And yeah, I guess, great that it went down to the final match. Um, pleased for me to see Mark Lopez back. He's one of my favourites. Um, <laughs> well, he was in the team. It was Feliciano playing. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it, apart from Australia, obviously, being in the final, I think that was probably the two teams that are kind of, you know, it's going to come a, up as a big, you know, spectacle showdown head to head. And I was, you know, pleased that I guess I guess I was thinking, God, if Spain were to win the ATP Cup as well, that's like two team tournaments on the trot that they've won. So they would have to be like the undisputed, you know, number one team in tennis. Um, but I guess for all those teams that didn't quite manage to do so well at the Davis Cup, having the ATP Cup so close after does give them an opportunity to kind of, um, what's the word? you know, to rectify anything that they weren't able to achieve like two months before. So in a way, the proximity maybe is good for that. I don't know. I think
0: that's interesting because, you know, the last time we saw Djokovic and Troitsky on a tennis court uh you know they were playing doubles in the davis cup and you know they had i think they you know they had that match on the. i can't remember who it was but they had the match on their on their racket and they and they lost and it was you know the press conference was really emotional but there they're like literally kind of two six weeks later they're back on the court and they were almost kind of able to kind of rectify the situation um and and win and i think it's really interesting because you know i think djokovic this week has shown that you know he, he is like almost his peak level at the moment, he's you know looking very good going into the Australian Open. And Nadal as well, it's kind of like, you know, he's played the singles, he's played a lot of tennis. It doesn't feel like he's had an off-season given, you know, how much he played in Davis Cup, how much, he's pl- how much he's played in the ATP Cup. I just wonder actually whether he's almost going to burn himself out going into... To, to Melbourne.
1: Yeah, I see what you mean. Although I'm kind of thinking that after Melbourne, he will take time out there, and I think that might actually be a more logical time in the season to have a break because you don't. He won't really have to play anything until Indian Wells, so he he could have what six weeks without actually having to play. I don't. I don't know what his schedule is in terms of if he's going to play like Dubai or something like that. Um, but it maybe. I don't know. I was kind of thinking that earlier. I was thinking, oh, Rafa, you know, probably not at his freshest going into the AO. So afterwards, I'd like to see him just, you know, take a bit of time out. I mean, I hope that he doesn't like need to for an injury or anything, but just to kind of conserve himself for the clay, which we all know is extremely important. So, um, yeah, but I think, um, no, I think the ATP Cup was was interesting. I, I do still have a bit of, a bit, some qualms, I suppose, about it being so close to the Davis Cup. And, you know, the fact that the women aren't there, you know, having a joint cup or their own equivalent. But I think, you know, provided some entertaining tennis. I think it's nice that we actually get to see the players come together for their countries, um, like, more often. And I think that actually, you know, brings out the best in certain players. Like, Nick Kyrgios springs to mind. He he seemed to be very calm and composed and, and you know, not misbehaving for once. So, I don't know, maybe he team sports maybe actually just suit him a lot better. Maybe he should... Um, just continually play team events. <laughs>
0: ATP Cup. Is this the rebirth of Nick Kyrgios? Because he had, I mean, I think he had a, he had a pretty great tournament, I think. And I think he's, I think he's almost like won everyone back or like all the haters of Nick Kyrgios. It's like this week he's done so much good, um, you know, on a tennis court, you know, rallying behind, uh, you know, for a great cause, uh, you know, for the bushfires Um and yeah, he's just played some some great tennis, and I think the thing I loved most was uh, I think he was doing like uh, push-ups for every uh, double fault that Alex Verev uh, <laughs> was doing on a tennis court. But but uh, like the day after, there was like. Uh, things circulating that he had um he had got a back injury oh what from uh, doing the
1: push-ups yeah oh, potentially
0: no. but uh, no I think he I think he was good but yeah we d- I definitely you know saw a different you know Nick Kyrgios and I thought it was interesting you know he came out in the press saying you know being in a, in a team event you know playing for Team Australia it's almost like he it it, it, it gives him that motivation that he almost doesn't have uh, you know, in, in singles competition and um, you know, he's, he's kind of admitted this and you know, it is interesting that, you know, team events have this, you know, a different impact on, on players. And we, we've seen that with, with Nick Kyrgios.
1: Yeah. I just wonder maybe, maybe it stems from like a lack of self-worth. Like maybe he doesn't think that he's worthy enough, you know, when he's playing for himself, maybe he doesn't think he like deserves to like do the best for himself. But when it's, you know, other people brought into the mix maybe he's that like, just gives him that extra motivation because he's playing for something higher so I don't know maybe it stems from like low self-esteem or I'm sure there's you know some issues going on but yeah it's it's, an, it's interesting um I would really like to sort of delve into his brain um a lot I think because <laughs> there's just so much going on in there um and also Great Britain um did better than expected I, I would say um proving that you know we are a factor in in these team events we can do pretty well on our day and um, we only just missed out um on a semi-final spot you know we lo- just lost to Australia in that doubles match um I was and not expecting <laughs>
0: I know I was not oh. expecting to wake up and, and see that I mean I, I went to bed with uh I think you know Nick Kyrgios um you you know like a set and a breakup on Cameron Norrie and I thought oh this is just going to be routine you know, there's going to be a routine exit for for GB, but no. And I think you know one of the reasons we've done so well this week is the form of Dan Evans is just going from strength to strength for the moment. I think he's now going to be seeded. I think he's going to be seeded number thirty at the the Australian really? Open. And oh,
1: yeah. I wow. know. Yeah, that's crazy. Um,
0: and you know, he beat. I think he beat he beat Goffan this week. He beat. De Minaur in, I think potentially what, what was the singles match of the tournament? I think it was, it was certainly the longest. I think it was like over, near enough three and a half hours, um, and yeah, he's just been really, uh, really fun to watch. Um, yeah, it's just a shame that with, uh, you know Salisbury and and Jamie Murray, they just couldn't pull it out against, you know, Kyrgios and, and De Minaur in in the doubles because yeah, they have five match points, and um, you know, if again, kind of you know, going back to kind of Davis cup, you know, against Spain in that, you know, in that second set, again, they had chances Mm, to make it, to make it interesting and, you know, kind of, I guess, similar here, it's like they had that almost like that opportunity to kind of rectify that moment and, you know, right that wrong. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, this time, um, you know, it didn't go our way, but certainly, yeah, a very good performance. And I think, you know, Tim Hemman, you know, as coach, I think, you know, kind of looking at it on TV, they all really enjoyed, they all really enjoyed themselves. And it was like, you know, bits of banter and, you know, it was quite, um, yeah, no, I think, I think. Um it was, yeah, it was just really good to see kind of a, a different dynamic, you know. Um.
1: I liked the team zones as well, because obviously we saw the players kind of using the, like, the iPad, like the technology to kind of get the stats. And I just thought that was, that was quite different. You know, they can get a different insight and, um, like, just... To have that information and to be able to utilize it like straight away. And I don't know, maybe some players, you know, they might be like visual learners or like they learn from numbers <laughs> and stats. So having it like quantified might, I make mean, think, actually, yeah, I really do need to do this. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I thought, yeah, I think it's, it's a good way of, you know, trialing those sorts of things out. And I don't think that's going to be un- unraveled or across the whole tour, but like, why not? For this event, have something a bit different. Like, we all want to change.
0: It certainly looks like, you know, for me, there are some things that almost like they're learning from, like, a, you know, the Labour Cup. And, you know, if we're kind of talking about Labour Cup as, an, you know, an ex, a glorified kind of exhibition event, you know, seeing some of the things that clearly worked in that style and put them into the you know put them into the tour and on C A T P cup it worked really well and yeah some of the i feel like some of the best uh, things i've kind of seen on on social media has involved kind of the group element and seeing all the teams you know on the benches and you know having you know having a really good time i think like the french the french team is always kind of hilarious like benoit paire you just don't know what he's going to do next and everyone yeah. kind of you know, jokes well, like about that and
1: it's like we kind of seeing them as they would be like behind the scenes like in the locker room they might be having a like a laugh and a joke or something you know so we get to see that whereas normally you just see players walk on court play against each other walk off again so it's nice to see that there's actually a lot of like camaraderie and friendship and support you know on the tour you know between the players you know they spend their whole lives like traveling around together pretty much so it, yeah it's, it's nice to see that um and I, as, I mean I'll pretty much watch any tennis so I mean I'm i am still like I still watch the ATP Cup I've still enjoyed it whether it's going to be changed for next year, there's there's talks of a WTA Cup. Um, so who knows what what's going to happen with the event next year? But I think on the whole, it was it was fairly successful. I mean, the one thing I, that I think a lot of players maybe did struggle with, I know Rafa said he didn't like it, was the time zone change. Like he, you know, the team Spain were in Perth, and then they had to go over to Sydney, and that's like a three hour time time change. So I think having to do that in the middle of a tournament is a bit like unsettling.
0: Yeah, I think I think that is something. Yeah, I think that is a big ask, and I feel like there is sort of like a prefer- preferable, you know, place to play, so you don't have to have that like kind of time zone issue. Um, I I still think you know there were definitely some you know controversies. You know, I think for me the biggest thing, the most perplexing thing, is the ranking points because you know that you know for you know to um, you know to some of these players, yeah, they're you know, kind of. Playing for ranking points, they're getting an extra event, you know, compared to kind of other players who, you know, don't have that event. And um, I think that, for me, you know, from a player perspective, is a really kind of that's probably the almost for me the biggest controversy: the fact that you're entitling, you know, some players to get ranking points to boost their, you know, their world ranking, um, and not you know, doing, you know, not enabling that for others. Um, Yeah. I still think that is, you know, something that needs to be looked at. I mean, even earlier I was kind of looking at, I think, uh, Bautista and Gut and, and Djokovic, I think they actually, they both won all their singles matches but Djokovic actually got more ranking points. I don't know. I'm not really sure how that worked. But um,
1: Is that because of the players that they're playing against? If they're playing against yeah, higher-ranked opponents, they it, get more exactly. points because it's like a I mean, more worthy like, victory.
0: Yeah, yeah. but it's bit, it, you can't disadvantage someone just, just because based they're not on like, having, their yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. No, I think they will have to look into that, definitely. Or I mean, do we need to have ranking points for it at all? I mean, or do we just have like... I think maybe just ranking points based on yeah, the other state stage you get to, not not making it sound of so complicated. But um yeah. We will see. Um that that was the ATP Cup. Um let us know your thoughts, uh, followers, and listeners. Like what did you think? Is there anything you particularly liked um that you really want the tournament to keep for next year or anything major you think that should definitely be changed? Um let us know on Twitter. I think um we'd yeah, love to hear I'll your just, thoughts
0: on that. Just very quickly as well Kim I think also I mean what are your thoughts I mean I think the other big conversation is about the timing you know we've talked about Davis Cup we've talked about the ATP Cup and you know again they feel very similar I mean you only have to look at you know who who got to the you know the, the knockout stages it, you know I think it was like kind of six of the eight teams were pretty much the same but you know it, it feels like it's the ATP Cup has a better slot in the calendar than Davis Cup does it? Uh, I
1: I think so, because Davis well, Cup right at the end of the season. Okay, so yeah, there's one long... team cup for when you're tired and one team cup for when you're fresh. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I just think, <laughs> I,
0: I think Davis Cup would be the perfect curtain raiser
1: no, for the season. No, no, I, I disagree. I think it's better at the end of the year as like a finale. Oh. I think it's, it's too early in the season to play for such a historic tournament. Like, I don't know. I just need to warm up i think the atp cup is quite a good warm up i think the davis cup is is a good finale um they both have their have their merits i mean i don't know if maybe we should plan a trip uh to australia next year for the atp cup save the ao let's see um but yeah let let's let's go on to other news from this week in tennis i guess most notable perhaps is serena williams has Won her first title as a mother. Her first title in three years. Um, and do you know what? I hadn't realized that she'd actually not won a title for that long. Um, like I know, obviously, she's reached what three, two, what three Slam finals since coming four. back. I
0: think it's four. I think I was reading four four, four Grand oh. Slam finals. Yeah. But
1: I kind of just thought she'd won like a smaller tournament since coming back, but she hadn't won anything. Mm. So I think this is quite a big, like, significant moment in her uh her chase to to make history
0: yeah and i think think, i think it was interesting because in in the final you know in the in the match um in the ceremony afterwards the the feeling was almost kind of like relief from serena that you know oh thank god i've won a (laughs) i've won a title again i'm you know i'm back i'm back on it but um you know so i think you know i think you know as it went longer you know as it went on Uh, there obviously were doubts there from Serena herself on like, well, am I, you know, am I going to win a title again? And, you know, I think this is a very good, you know, very good step to kind of, you know, obviously there are going to be bigger titles to, you know, hopefully to come in the future, you know, looking at the grand slams. But, you know, I think this is a very good kind of stepping stone. And yeah, it was just like, she played awesome tennis all week. And, you know, she's definitely going to be, a heavy favorite i think going into australian open now and she's kind of proved that in in auckland
1: yeah we should just say yeah it is the auckland tournament we're talking about <laughs> and didn't actually mention that and yeah so serena beat jessica bagula of the u.s um straight sets in the final um to claim her 73rd career title um so yeah i mean i guess jessica bagula in the asb classic final is a bit different to facing, I don't know, a soccer in the final of the Australian Open. But I think, yeah, it's certainly that mental hurdle of can I, you know, win a win a title again? Um ooh, ooh, she's so, got over that now. So I, I do feel like it will help her to become more composed should she get into, you know, another major final. Um I think she's gonna be a bit more secure. I mean also
0: Jessica Pegula I did not realise this. I was just kind of reading up on it. Her her dad is the billionaire owner of the Buffalo Bills, uh, an NFL team. Oh, in, uh, wow. in in the United States, I just thought that was you don't she's, hear that every day.
1: Like, she's uh, not you sure of a few Bob. Then maybe um, <laughs> Serena donated all her prize money as well to the you know the bushfire relief fund. Um, and she's also auctioning off each dress that she wore across her matches in Auckland. So oh, that's a really nice gesture. Um, maybe Jessica Bagula should donate her her funds as well <laughs> she's got a billionaire dad um but yeah so uh we also saw Serena reach the doubles final in Auckland so her and Caroline Wozniacki were playing together for the first time which was a really you know really cool partnership yeah uh, it's, really it's a bit cool. of a shame that they haven't teamed up before because obviously they're they're best mates um and and they Wozniacki's got to the retiring
0: in like a week I know
1: yeah it's a bit, bit late isn't it bit late <laughs> than never um and actually, it was a good good week for Americans in Auckland because in that doubles final, it was actually Taylor Townsend and Asia Muhammad who who clinched the title. And then back in the singles, we had Anissa Mova got getting to the semi; she lost to Serena. Um, so yeah, sort of quite a good week for Americans out in uh, out in Auckland.
0: Yeah, the and Coco Goff was golf well. was there as and, well, yes, uh, yes. and, and uh, doubles partner. Yeah, just America. They just I guess love love played Auckland. Uh <laughs> but yeah, there were other tournaments going on as well. Uh in Brisbane we had a premier tournament and I think did P- yeah. Pishkever
1: won that. In, um she she, she loves Brisbane. Yeah, she that's her third title there in four years, I think. So um she did have to work on hard for it though she she beat madison key seven five in the third set and she was pretty taped up and pretty tired at the end um and then in the semi-final push had uh saved a match point to beat osaka in three sets so really long matches um you know to clinch the title but uh yeah I'm i al- mean kim i don't kim, i'm already always- envisioning yeah. I- I was Kim, just I'm say already always envisaging wins titles before slams, but then does Jack Hall yeah. at slams.
0: I am already is envisaging are <laughs> yeah, like we're going to get to the end of the season and there's going to be a list and it's going to be like most titles won this season. <laughs> Pishkevo is going to be top on like, you know, 5 yeah. or 6 or whatever. But yeah, Grand Slams, she's still going to have I think a zero next mm, to her name maybe we'll see we'll see I thought Naomi Osaka looked quite good as well uh, yeah. you know, getting to the semi-finals so I definitely think she is going to be a contender uh, come the Australian Open but there was one surprise actually Ash Barty recently world, no- you know, uh, world number one went out in the first round to um Jennifer Brady, yeah. Who, uh did a little did a little double header, beat uh followed up Ash uh, beating Ash Barty by by beating uh Maria sharapova But um yeah, that was a surprising loss. I wasn't I wasn't expecting that uh for Barty uh in front of her home crowd.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if it if maybe it's it's nerves playing in front of her home crowd. I, I don't know how that's gonna affect her in, in the, you know, Aussie open season. I think um yeah. That's why I personally didn't sort of pick her to win the AO, because I just thought, oh, I think she might get a bit nervous. But, um, you know, she did reach the doubles final. So she was playing with Kiki Burton. So she's she's getting the match practice in, um, whether it's, you know, doubles court rather than singles court. Um, and also a player we haven't really spoken at any length about, uh, Petra Kvitova, last year's Australian Open finalist. She got to the semis in Brisbane. So, I feel like she's very under the radar at the moment. Like no one's really talking about her. Um, so yeah, I think her and Asaka um, also bubbling up quite It's all bubbling, up. It's good. All bubbling yeah. up nicely.
0: Yeah. But there are there have been tournaments in out sorry out outside of Australia. Yeah, we've had uh Shenzhen and we've had Ekaterina Alexandro. Uh, I'm gonna pronounce this wrong, <laughs> I like think. I think this is, the, is this the first name of the season. I'm gonna get wrong.
1: Alexandrova. I think. Yeah. Ekaterina yeah. Alexandrova. Well, she has made history, um, by becoming the first WTA. Oh, can't speak. WTA winner of the decade. So remember that for our end of season quiz, Joel. <laughs> um, yeah, she beat Elena Rybakina, Rybakina, uh, 6 uh, out in Shenzhen. That was her first title. Um, she's actually had a very good start to the year. Cause she won an event in Limoges, um, last month which is just like a 125k series so um she's actually on a 10 match winning streak so perhaps she's a dark horse for the ao you know she's a dangerous a dangerous first round opponent for someone uh, so watch out for her
0: and we also had a atp tournament in doha as well i think stan the Man, stan was the top seed but it was the second seed andre rublev who captured his third atp tour title uh defeating somewhat surprise uh finalist in Corentin Moutet uh the Frenchman i think he was a qualifier uh part of the next gen crop of players uh but yeah Rublev coming through 6-2 7-6 so i feel like he's kind of just kind of gobbling up kind of 250 titles yeah, and
1: basically um, you
0: know, he had a very strong uh end to the last season he's almost picked up where he left off so uh so yeah so Rublev uh, in Doha Alexandrova in Alexandrova in Shenzhen. Uh, there's been some been some winners this week. Uh, we'll be back after a quick ad break, and we'll be doing a bit of a mysterious player. Woo! Okay, we are back and new season. Kim, I'm new so excited. Mysterious, <laughs> new mysterious player yes. for new listeners. This is where we we are. We go through a series of clues, and you can play along, and you're trying to guess tennis player we are referring to with the clues as quick as possible kim are you ready for said clues
1: yes go for it come on
0: <laughs> okay right first clue
1: i want to get 100 percent record in 2020 at least <laughs>
0: <laughs> i was born on the 23rd of july 1981
1: Oh, okay. So they're 38. (gasps) Oh, they're almost as old as well. They're slightly older than Roger Federer, who was born on the 8th of August of that year.
0: That's crazy. I mean, that's already crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know Roger Federer's birthday. (laughs) Um, I know all the top four, four's birthdays, um, actually. Um, Well, the big four. Um, Sorry. Okay. So 38. (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
0: Right. Next clue. I have a career high ranking. Oh, my voice went high there as I said (laughs) hi. Is
1: it that exciting?
0: (laughs) Sorry. I have a career high ranking of world number 13.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: so never reached the complete top, but certainly. Okay. Uh, Next clue. I have reached the quarterfinals at the Australian Open, Wimbledon and the US Open.
1: Can I guess already? Yeah, is it Nadia Petrova? It's not <laughs> oh. Nadia Petrova. That's a great
0: shout though, but it's not Nadia Petrova. I think Nadia she might Petreva. have reached the semi
1: final. And actually, no, she got higher than thirteen in the world. I just suddenly <laughs> thought of her.
0: I will give you this for free. It is it is a male player. Okay. Oh, thanks. The male player. Okay. Camp. Next clue. I retired from tennis in June twenty fifteen.
1: Mm. Oh. That's almost 5 years ago. Carlos Moya? No, I've, no, no. He would
0: have been I feel like he would have been earlier, but hmm. it might may may he be played him. Probably played him. I reckon he probably yeah, probably played him. Okay. Um right, we're going to get into some more kind of niche details okay. now. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love these stats, all right. However, I came out of retirement in 2016 to play Davis Cup for my country against Zimbabwe, defeating the world number 2,147 Courtney Locke. Six love, six love, six love.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And you're going to like this one. And also Denmark, where I beat Frederick Nielsen.
1: Oh, no. My favorite. In my last...
0: In my last official <gasps> match.
1: Oh, how dare he! Um, um, I don't think we've actually spoken at, on this podcast about my my love for Fredrik Nilsson. Um, he is like my second favorite player after Rafa Nadal. Um, oh gosh. Um,
0: I know that's quite. Uh, uh, it's it's quite tough. <laughs> I'm I'm rereading it back. It is quite uh,
1: tough. Oh, oh, is it? Is he Swedish? Is it? Uh, one of the Thomas Johansson.
0: It's not. No, Thomas he Youngton. was higher ranked.
1: Um, oh, Came out of retirement to play Davis. But you are in the right part of the world. Oh, Scandinavian. Well, I was going to say Robin Soderling, but obviously he reached. Uh, Robin you know,
0: Soderling is incorrect. I yeah. was going to say
1: because he reached the you know French Open finals. But right. um, I've got hmm. three
0: more. I've got okay. three more clues I can't left. Get it. Next clue, and this is this is one. Of, this is probably my favorite. I defeated Bernard Tomic. In the shortest recorded Masters Tour tennis match in the Open era, lasting just 28 minutes and 20 seconds at the Miami Masters in 2014.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, hmm. So, sort of Scandinavian player. Yep. 38 years old. Oh, um, um,
0: Oh. Ooh.
1: Oh, uh Yarko, yes it, yes. Yarko
0: <laughs> yes, it is Yarko Nieminen. Yes, it is Yarko Nieminen. Oh, Niemann.
1: classic. I love a yeah. bit of Nieminen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my final my final two clues were going to be so far I'm I am the first and only player to have won an ATP title for my country. And then the final clue was I was born in Finland. Oh, um, yeah, I definitely would have so, got it by yes. then.
1: Yeah, Yarko I, I met him was. at Eastbourne. He's a really nice man. And I remember watching quite a few, like, didn't he have a really classic, like, five-set match with Tim Henman at Wimbledon yeah, like, back I, in the day?
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, that I def- that definitely rings a bell. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, really solid player. Got to, yeah. He got to, like, the second week of all the Grand Slams, had yeah. a good career, made the most of his talent. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Listeners, let us know. Did you get Yako Niemann in? How long did it take you? Did you get it? Did you get it straight away as soon as I said his birthday?
1: Uh, <laughs> Do you know uh, all I'd be the very all players' I'd be birthdays? Very yeah. uh,
0: yes. But uh, yes, moving on. Um, so, yes, we've had our kind of first week on the tour and already we're kind of looking forward to the Australian Open. And there has been a lot of chat. About lots of different things uh with regards to the first Grand Slam of the Year. And I think kind of the biggest piece of news we're gonna start with is Andreescu, who probably one of the favourites, uh was gonna be one of the favorites for the, the women's title. Uh she's out with uh she's out with an injury.
1: Yeah, it's her knee injury, which she picked up at the WTA finals at the end of last season. Um it's just too soon, this tournament, in, in her sort of recovery. So she has to miss it, um, which I imagine that a lot of the other players would be quite relieved about that, perhaps Serena Williams or Osaka. Um They might be, uh, I don't know, rubbing their hands in glee. Um, yeah, I'd, I mean, if she wasn't really fully fit or in match practice, she, she might not have gone that far anyway. So it's probably best that she just takes the time out to kind of fully recover. Um, It will be a shame though, because, you know, we we won't see, you know, an Osaka again, you know, we won't see her trying to go for back-to-back slams like Osaka did last year. Um, So, yeah, I mean, maybe makes the women's draw a bit less exciting, but there's still plenty of players that are going to, I think, you know, the draw a light. So um, we'll see what Andreescu will do. I'm sure she'll be aiming to be backed by what, Kind of Indian Wells time. When
0: are we gonna have a season? I, I, I know Andreescu not actually been around that long, but <laughs> we I didn't already, even know that this
1: time last year. <laughs> I'm already, I'm
0: already sensing. Uh, are we gonna have Andreescu and a fully and a full tennis season? Because yeah. you know she only played what? I mean, she. I mean, it's it's crazy to think how big of an impact she had. Given yeah, you know, she only played I think what six months. Uh, you know, she played like half the tour last season. And, you know, I don't know, you know, this season as well, how much of the tour is she going to play? And, you know, just kind of talking about, you know, Ash Barty is world number one. But um, it, for me, Andreescu, I feel like the biggest... Barrier to getting to world number one isn't isn't like any other tennis player. It, it feels like it's going to be her injury problems. Her own
1: body. Yeah, I, mm. I do hope she's not going to become like a Del Potro who's just been plagued mm. by injuries and has never been able to, you know, maximize what what we know he his his talent is capable of. And talking of Del Potro, he's also not going to be at the Australian Open. Um, still having issues with with a knee again. Um, so. Again, a, sh- a shame for Del Potro and his fans. I-, I don't, I mean, I don't think, well, will, will he ever come back and and kind of ever win another slam, looking ever less likely? Um, but yeah, I hope Andreescu doesn't kind of be so plagued as a as Del Potro, for example. But um, fingers crossed she's got, you know, a good team around her to, to help. Um and then, yeah, a lot of other stuff going on in Australia, apart from the withdrawals. Obviously, there's a bit of hoo-ha about the AO and all of the, the air quality issues as a result of all the bushfires. Um, the Australian Open is now kind of under a bit of a threat and they're potentially going to have to like play a lot of matches indoors uh, because the air quality is, is kind of so bad. Um I don't know how they're going to manage to to move every single match indoors because they've got three um three big arenas with with roofs which is great but you know that's only three courts so how are you going to how are they going to juggle this situation if the air is that is that horrendous
0: Non stop tennis twenty four seven.
1: Well, I mean that has been happening anyway at the AO. <laughs> uh, and they've got yeah, in- true. I mean they've got indoor practice courts. Maybe they'll have to move matches to like those with like yeah. one man and his dog watching. Um
0: I do think it's going to be interesting, though. I, I mean, to be honest, I mean, we could just get to day one and it not be an issue for yeah, the whole tournament. it might have
1: cleared by, by the time. It might, I don't know, they're obviously monitoring on some kind of a scale. I know Djokovic has expressed concerns, um, but hasn't he had sort of breathing issues before, like when there's mm. been sort of something dodgy in the air? So maybe this is the only way that will stop him from winning Uh, uh, how many AOs is he on is he one seven or eight I lose lose count he's got so many is it seven I think it might be seven so he'll be going for his eighth which is mad um but but yeah. There's no
0: way though, <laughs> there's no way this of uh, this Grand Slam is going to be cancelled, is there? Like, oh no. I just, I mean, can't you... I just can't imagine it. Just can't imagine that. No, happening. I'm sure
1: I'm sure they, they wouldn't uh, they just have to be sensitive, don't they, with what's been going on and and actually talking about the Bushfires, you know, a lot of the players have come out and um joined in the efforts to raise money, you know, for the for the for the relief efforts going on. So we've had Nick Kyrgios, you know, come out and say that he's donating uh, every every or, or, however much money per ace that he hits and then other players have sort of started doing doing the same but for their double faults instead of aces so um Belinda Bencic uh she's going to donate yeah. $200 per double fault so that's quite a lot <laughs> does this mean lot? that the crowd can like genuinely cheer her if she double-foughts because yeah, that's they not just bad be show, cheering, cheering the mm. donation instead.
0: I don't think if your name was Camilla Georgie, you'd be saying $200 no. double-fought. <laughs> or,
1: or, or Alex Verev,
0: which she she called out to on social media. When I saw that, I thought, that's pretty punchy. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty punchy because, yeah, at the moment, Varev is having, a, you know, judging on his performances at ATP cup has been having a a couple of issues with his serve. I think he's served like 24 double faults in, in two matches, but um, yeah, I thought, you know, I I love how Benchitz was like trying to turn that into a positive like, Oh, but by the way, you can still raise lots of money. Um, well,
1: Just, Cornet, yeah. um, Elise Cornet, she's donating $50 for every drop shot winner. So that's very niche. And then Simona Halep, I like this one. She said, um, guys, you know, I love Australia, but you also know I don't hit too many aces. So I want to help. My pledge is that every time I give Darren Cahill a hard time in my box during all my matches in Oz, I'll donate $200. <laughs> so every time she goes, turns the box and yells at Darren Cahill, um, Again, we should be applauding that because it's more money for the relief efforts. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it's it's nice that the players are sort of coming out in support and um, you know as as they should. Um, and actually, there's going to be a charity match on the 15th of January, uh, Rally for Relief. Uh, Federer, Rafa, Serena, and Kyrgios are already sort of signed up to play that, so hopefully that will do um, quite a lot to to kind of you know. Get more get money, money going in. Yeah. I mean it's eight, the least they can do really when they're sort exactly. of you know the top players are earning, you know, millions mm-hmm. of pounds and dollars, so it's the least they can do. Um, in my opinion. Um and yeah, as we as we mentioned earlier, just going back to the ATP Cup, there's been some news. Tennis Australia have announced that they are actually in talks with the WTA about creating an equivalent women's competition um at the ATP Cup. Um there's been quite a bit of criticism. Um you know from the from the female players at brisbane because you know their wta tournament which is a, a premier you know that clashed with like, for a few days it, it clashed with the atp cup that was taking place at brisbane and and i know sharapova and and other players kind of came out and said you know we were kind of pushed aside for the for the men in the atp cup and then as soon as they went off and they completed the group stages you know we were then kind of allowed back on to the to the main court. So there was a bit of a feeling of, you know, them being sidelined yet again for, for the men. So if, if for example, they had a, you know, a WTA cup, I suppose they can just make sure that, well, they can just make sure that it's fair, I suppose. Um, I mean, they would still maybe play the WTA event at Brisbane, but maybe they have the WTA cup elsewhere. I'm not sure, but they just need to make sure if they're sharing a venue that the matches are kind of equally distributed and not, prioritizing one over the other. I mean, we've had scheduling debacles before, but that was a lot of what a lot of players were saying that this week that it wasn't fair.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think there was, I think there's kind of conversations about getting a new like stadium uh, court uh, in Brisbane, almost potentially to manage that sort of that workload uh, to be able to die kind of do kind of two events, I guess, concurrently. Uh, But, yeah, ATB Cup, WTA Cup. Like, when when are we going to get a mixed cup? Like, Well, we had know, one
1: for many years. We, I know, what well, <laughs> I
0: know this, is what's, this is what for me is really confusing is that, you know, we had a really great, you know, fun mixed event. And, you know, we've now, we're almost kind of splitting that out into two completely different events. And, yeah, once again, we're kind of not, there's not really been much chatter on, you know, a, you know, mixed team event. Now, I don't know if kind of Tennis Australia or whoever are looking at this and thinking, look, we can have an ATP Cup for the men's tour, a WTA Cup for the women's tour. And then because, you know, they think the Labour Cup is just going to be the, you know, the the Labour Cup is going to evolve and become a
1: mixed. Yeah, I think uh, it's only fair if the ATP ATP Cup and WTA Cup are going to be separate, then they should definitely, in my opinion, make the Labour Cup. A mixed event um, that's probably the easiest thing if they don't want to introduce yet then like yet another cup into the calendar just make the labour cup a mixed one because actually in tennis it's one of the only sports that where men and women can play alongside each other and that you know treated as, as equals like on the court I mean you don't see that you don't see women and, and men on a football pitch playing together do you so I think tennis is very unique in that perspective that we have it's, you know, mixed doubles at like Grand Slams. That's just seen as normal. Um, and like the Hotman Cup we've we had for so many years. Like, so I don't think, I think it'd be wrong if tennis was to lose that because that's kind of what actually is one of the very unique progressive things yeah. about about the tennis. Um yeah.
0: we'll see to be continued but uh yes we we do have a couple of other things on our bulletin board uh so thomas muster has joined dominic team's coaching setup so he'll be working with uh, nicholas masu at selected tournaments i think that's grand slams and and just master series events um so yeah expect to see uh, thomas muster in his box i think the only thing here to really say is Interesting, he's he's bringing a Grand Slam champion on board. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether he's kind of looking at that, right, this is going to, my next push this year is going to be to win a Grand Slam. I need someone with that experience in my box. So yeah, hired Thomas Muster. Um, um,
1: is he, is he going to play the Olympics, uh, <laughs> Dominic Team? Because was there some controversy where he, he's not going to play the Olympics or something? Because I was just thinking, yeah, he's got a Grand Slam champion in his team, but he's also got an Olympic champion in his team. So he's well set up for both. Um, certainly,
0: certainly, and I, yeah, we'll we'll see. I'm not sure. I feel like I feel like he might be, but you know, I, I, yeah, imagine, I, I must have been know.
1: imagining that. I I remember we we have a thing about Dominic Team and what tournaments he's playing. <laughs> you thought he didn't yeah, play those, like, up, and like, you laid to me when yeah, I said he was yeah. there. And
0: he was, anyway. (laughs) And also, we have had, uh, yeah, just on the AO, yeah, Sharapova uh, this week did get a wild card uh, into the main draw. Uh, As I said, she lost uh, to Jennifer Brady uh, this week. So we'll be going into the Australian Open with not a lot of match practice. But of course, you know, we know she's a former champion and... Uh, you know, ev- everyone will want to see, you know, Maria back on a tennis court. Who do knows they, how...
1: But Joel, do, well, do you, sorry, I mean, what's my opinion? do you not think that it's a bit kind of... I, do you not think that wildcards should really be given to players that are like up and coming? I, I just don't know if Sharapova is really that popular still. And I don't know if if she's actually going to do anything with the wild. I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure... If I would would have given her one myself um i would I've given her a wild card into qualifying, but I don't think she is any more deserving than other players out there but I think
0: yeah, I think for me if if I was being really kind of honest, I'd say you know i I mean you'd never treat like a former champion, I'd think like this, but I would say, look you need like you need match practice, so." Uh, you know, we'd love to give you a qualifying wildcard because then you'd get match practice and then get in the, the main draw. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, she's she but she has been announced as one of the fa- five main draw wildcards. I think the others are uh, I think there's Pauline parmentier from France, Coco Vandervey from America and over as well, the Australian um so yeah so that's kind of it i think this week i think yeah as i said it's been like a million stories we've tried to cram them all in uh into this episode so i hope you have enjoyed listening to us uh, the next time uh you will hear uh, from us will be our australian open preview show we'll also be catching up on all the latest tournaments uh next week uh, i think from adelaide Auckland uh, for the men and Hobart uh, so I hope you can join us then uh, remember to follow us on social media remember we're on Twitter at passing Shot pod as well as on Instagram at passing Shot pod if you want to email the show as well passing at gmail.com um, if you've enjoyed listening to us as well don't forget to subscribe uh, and give us a little rating and comment uh, if you're listening to us on Apple podcasts but yeah we will be back uh, for our preview show for the Australian Open once we know the draws. And we'll be also bringing back our very popular collector set feature, Kim. Uh, I know you really enjoy looking at what round players are going to get to. We need to think about what players we, we're going to we're going to be looking at. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> uh,
1: any suggestions, uh, guys? Let us know who do you think we should be tracking on our collector set. Um, we usually do three men and three women. So uh, maybe give us a shout as to who you think would be An interesting player to to follow at the AO.
0: Yes. uh, But yeah, in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. And yeah, we'll be be back next week. Uh, Thanks for listening and goodbye.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more